You're listening to the Unsung Podcast, where we talk about classic albums and decide if they deserve that distinction. And we also talk about some unsung classics in the hopes of bringing them to a new audience. And at the end of it all, we let you decide if we are right or wrong. This is the Unsung Podcast. episode 14 of the Unsung Podcast. On last week's episode, we spoke about Carpe Diem by Will Haven and this vote was really very decisive. Only two people voted no. Everyone else voted yes, so yep, you guessed it. Carpe Diem makes it into our discography. So Will Haven, it's really great to have you. On this episode, we are of course talking about Ex-Military by Death Grips. It's a record which is probably even more abrasive than Carpe Diem. So if you haven't heard it already, Go listen to it and then pop back here. So yeah, let's get into it. Welcome to the unsunken. <clears throat> Welcome to the unsung. It's a keeper. <laughs> that is a keeper. <laughs> <laughs> Fucked it already. Welcome to the Unsung Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Fraser, and I'm joined by two of the alt-right's rising stars. <laughs> I don't want to say that. Uh, no, I'm a wishy-washy communist. Liberal. Liberal. Yeah. Libtard. Libtard, yeah. I fucking hate liberals. <laughs> uh, liberal Democrats. <laughs> I voted for them once. Uh, to my right is uh, the Right Honourable Lembert Ovick MP, <laughs> Chris Cusack. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, to my left, politically and geographically, <laughs> is Dave Weaver, who today is either wearing a really odd black metal t-shirt featuring whales, or it's free Willy merchandise, I can't quite tell. Oh, it's just like some random t-shirt with a whaley in a seal. I am wearing an emperor hoodie though. Yeah, that is pretty hardcore. That's, pretty That's why I thought the t-shirt was maybe continuing the theme of edgy no. Scandinavian isolation. I only do one edgelord item of merch a day. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from that time, I accidentally wore Burzum socks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have Burzum socks. Burzum can fuck off. Anyway, hi. All the better hi. for trampling the Zionists. <laughs> See, I told you, all right, superstars. Oh, yeah, I mean, off. the guy wears Burzum socks, man. He's he's not hiding his colours. You get Burzum socks. You probably do. Absolute joke. If they didn't, then as soon as he hears this, you know, definitely will. If you get, you should, you should definitely put a trademark or something on on that idea. Yeah, yep. if Kiss can do ear fresheners. <laughs> <laughs> then Burzum can do socks. From jail in France. <laughs> Maybe he makes some sense. Is he not due to get out soon? No, he is, he's been released, I think, again. Fantastic. I thought he went back into jail again for something else in France. <laughs> he got picked up on terrorism charges. As you do. Because he, he, he was like, I don't know, he had just had loads of guns or something. <laughs> he's an absolute knob. <laughs> Speaking of absolute knobs this week, <laughs> we're not talking about absolute knobs. We're talking about ex military by Death Grips. I thought that was a reference to that certain... 
record covered in Death Grips. Yeah, I, I didn't even say that. I should have made that joke. And I, just totally I told you last it. week, like, I was looking up their covers in a cafe, as you do in the middle of the afternoon, surrounded by families, and up pops this giant pink walloper. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's not that record, though. <laughs> That's not the name of this record either. No. Giant pink walloper. <laughs> so, why this record, Weaver? Um, well, for me, Death Grips are one of the most interesting musical acts to come out over the last decade. And I think at one point they were maybe the most sort of transgressive band doing anything out there. Um, As a skinny said, I believe it's the first truly important band of the 21st century. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I'm not sure I agree completely with, with that, but I mean, I definitely get behind the, yeah, the idea that they are important and they tested things and they pushed boundaries within music industry and they told it to fuck off is that because you think lincoln park were first most important well yeah exactly i know (laughs) but they do they've done all these things and you know we'll go into it later you know how they came to sort of fuck with the system but they couldn't have done it without actually being really good at music and this record came out Officially a mixtape, guys, not an album. I don't know if you're an early hip hop lingo, <laughs> but uh, so, so I mean, just just to clarify here as well, I was like really labouring over what is the difference here, and is it just because it's free? Is that basically it? It's yeah. I mean, it's basically sort of semantics, but they gave this away for free. Um, it's got lots of uncleared samples on it, I think. So quite a lot of the time, you know, hip hop artists will release basically a full length record but they won't be able to clear the samples, so they just give it away. Right. Or they have, for instance, a mix of producers, so it doesn't necessarily form a cohesive whole. It's just like a sort of 12-track sample of everything they can do. Because, I mean, as a record, it's really strong. It's yeah. like, it's like, regard, like yeah, it's it must f- be a technicality, because otherwise it makes a Yeah, that's album. it. It's a 48-minute record of original music, yes, that uses samples, but it's, you know, from start to end... It makes a fucking statement, mm. and it's yeah, pretty clever marketing technique as well. If you're bringing this out, and everybody suddenly is like just downloading it for free, it's a good way to get people at your shows. Well, I don't know if you remember the uh, James Bond movie, uh, <laughs> Live and Let Die, the first one starring Roger Moore, of course, uh, and the whole um, <laughs> the the narrative of the the bad guy and that the two bad guys that turn out to be the one bad guy. Spoiler alert! Is that they are going to release this incredibly potent strain of heroin into the streets of uh, America through New Orleans and uh, New York? But they're going to release it for free, give people this heroin for free for like six months to a year, and then everybody's fucking hooked on this amazing heroin, and then they just start charging. And that's what Death Grips did with capitalism, dropping this fucking record. So not only did they rip off the samples, they ripped off the plot of and Let Die." Exactly. Amazing. Which, to be fair, does have the best Bond theme tune, I think. That Wings yeah, track. That's probably true. It's up there anyway. Yeah. That's anyway. The, the, I like the Cornell one. Really? Oh, yeah. Jesus. Come on, man. I like the Adele one. No, I didn't. That <laughs> film was shit I like as well. That film was great, man. Oh, nah. God. Did, I mean, we could talk. <laughs> <laughs> but see, in, see in fucking Skyfall, the whole point is... Are we doing this right now? Right, okay. I just think it's a pointless film because the bad guy ends up doing what he meant to do in the first place and James Bond fails and that's the whole point. that's why it's so good. But nah, it's... it's, It's The Empire Strikes Back of James Bond. Just ridiculous. Anyway, uh, Roger Moore's the best. Uh, Bond and this is the uh, best Death Grips record. 
אוקיי. I think they've got on to do really interesting things. I like the Money Store. Got some really good tracks in it. You weren't too sold on it. No, it was the first record I heard by Death Grips and it turned me off them immediately. I hadn't heard anything since at all, this yeah. record. Now, there was a lot of good reviews for Money Store as well, which is one of the reasons why I was really keen to hear it when I heard those things. Like, my main man, Dave Warner, who's the guy I go to when I don't know anything about what we're talking about, uh, he was a big fan of No Love Deep Web. I really like No Love Deep Web. It's got some amazing stuff on it. Like... Um, Artificial Death in the West and bass drums right on the sky. Government Plates is actually really good as well. I was listening to that quite recently. Is that the one with the Walloper? Uh, no, no, that's No Love Deep Web. Is that No Love Deep Web? Yeah. yeah. I just so I know. It makes and sense then, thematically, well, I like guess. They, at this point now, you know, because they've been releasing a couple of like weird tracks on YouTube and stuff like that, they're now just a noise band. And they released the, those Fashion Week instrumentals a couple of years ago, which also the tracks spelled out uh, Jenny Death When which was what everybody on the internet was asking about. When's your new album coming out? So they, that's part of what Death Grips are. And they've kind of become this sort of like meme, you know, a sort of chat room staple. And it's oh, yeah, a it, bit annoying. It's kind of interesting because I, I read a wee bit about the, the kind of mystery Twitter account, BB Poltergeist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. So there's this Twitter account that occasionally releases these really informed but sort of confusing the tips about or hints about things that death, death groups are about to do yeah yet then deletes the tweets and has no apparent connection to them but everybody thinks it's the account well then the just the reddit forums go mental <laughs> and um yeah all these sort of yeah you're right the meme, the meme thing's kind of true like they, they are a very postmodern band not just in the music but in the actual yeah. way they've marketed themselves and because like the first thing that they did was that full moon track that came before ex-military and they just released it on youtube and it was this fucking weird video and it had uh mc ride steph the um rapper stroke vocalist Mm -hmm. just going fucking mental in a car and then weird grainy footage of like a dead bird and then just static and it was like just loads of drums and a man shouting (laughs) and i was like what the fuck is this (laughs) and like they just put that out there and let it sort of simmer and then sort of dropped ex-military in the tracks on that. And I suppose throughout their career, they've sort of, I tested the limits of what they can do marketing-wise and just, like, testing the audience and things like that. Like you said, they, they couldn't do that stuff if they weren't. Like, you know, we've spoken about the sympathetic ear thing. See, like, the credentials of the band, especially because of Zach Hill being in Hella mm-hmm. and being, like, hipper than hip as a result. Like, they already had, basically, one of the standout drummers of the kind of modern era. Yeah. And it was, like having that guy in the band granted them the license or it gave them a credibility right from the off yeah that people just wanted to hear what this person was going to do and then you know the eccentricity of mc ride and the producer as well andy andy yeah uh, andy morton 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 yeah there was like a an ability and a kind of yeah they were credible right from the start before they really did anything it was already exciting and the fact that they've then been able to take advantage of that and really push the boundaries with the marketing is mm. they've used it pretty well like they've been pretty savvy with it I have to admit like, and I don't think I'm alone here I think when you talk to people about Death Grips there was a tipping point whereby it was are these guys really spontaneous or is this unpredictability the cancellations 
is it now part of their brand? Is mm-hmm. it part of their marketing? I think like a little bit of cynicism set in yeah. with people where you're you're kind of in two minds as to whether it really is that they're giving two fingers to the record industry or whether the label is secretly like, yeah, let's go for it. That'll yeah. be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll go down well. Or we'll don't worry, we'll act angry. We'll act yeah, angry. Yeah, it it's interesting to wonder how meta it all actually is. Yeah. Um, like how like how do because I mean it's it's hard to launch a band. Because there's so much white noise, there's so much oversaturation mm-hmm. of self-released things. So it's it's all it, it is all very well putting up a video like you said about something that's really unusual and ex- eccentric and stuff. Yeah, and yeah, even you know Zach Kelvin and the band definitely gave people a lot of uh, mm-hmm. it, it, it imbued a lot of curiosity in people. But um, it's still not necessarily enough to push it over the top of how do you go from that being one noise, sorry, one voice among many yeah. online. To suddenly getting over the top, and I think that's where it's like, well, is there a guiding hand there? You know, is this all as organic as it really makes out? And I, you know, I'm being a little bit maybe overly cynical here, but how does that band do that jump? Because so many people every day are trying that same thing, doing eccentric, yeah. outrageous things, doing them well. I just, I genuinely think it's because they've got the fucking chops. You know, like this record is really good. Well, that's not, like, but I agree. I think this record, but pays like, they also, yeah, but like that initial. You know, the first two years that they they did everything in like that basically first twelve months, they released ex military. I think it was like May two thousand eleven, April May. I then saw them in the Captain's Rest, that hundred capacity yeah, venue in Glasgow. That, yeah. Everybody talked about. And like that was one of the fucking most ridiculous shows I've ever been to. Just so sweaty, so loud, so aggressive. You know, you've got Zach Hill drumming kind of annoyed me that he played with snare off the whole time because it just pinged in my ears but like just incredible live band and they just did those sweat box shows around the world you know over like two or three months everybody started talking about them as a live band as yeah. well and then they released no money deep web and then the whole thing happened For free got dropped uh, by sorry the uh, they released money store and then uh and you know straight away uh, you know you know it was less than a year after ex-military and then they wanted to release the third album, you know, a few months later, and that was how they ended up leaking their own album, falling out with Epic, getting dropped, yeah, releasing it with a big erection on the cover, leaking out the fa- that like on Facebook they published the the Facebook messages yeah, and they, stuff, they, they the emails, emails with the, their own private executives. emails and stuff, yeah, they like literally sabotaged the whole thing, yeah, and then just released it for free again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, the, yeah, I think I don't doubt how they took off, especially when you hear it, because I'm I'm. I really enjoyed the album. It's excellent. Um, the mixtape, sorry. Um, but I was just curious about that initial period. Like, how did they generate the critical mass of interest? Yeah. You know? Cause but, it, I mean, maybe, you know, you know, these are guys that have been in bands and they live in LA. You know, they've been around for 10, 15 years. I'm sure they have pals that, yeah, you know, they'll have sat, you know, drinking, getting high and going, fuck, what can we do? So maybe they had, like, a couple yeah. of years of planning just amongst friends even in the industry, and they're just like, well, well it's just fucking... has a foot in the door. Yeah, exactly. He's a hell of a project as well, as well as his other projects as well. He's got a few, but... Um, it, it, it's not hard to see how they captured everybody's imagination when you hear the early stuff and when you see the videos and the live performances as well. It's mm-hmm. intense. It's a really, really good, really riveting approach to, to, to what they're doing. It's, yep. it's, and it's not safe at all. Like... Yeah, the recording of the album isn't safe. It's, it's dead. It's sort of like deconstructionalist. It's like... Yeah. It's, it's rough... It's like oversaturated to do that thing where like they'll they'll literally oversaturate all their drum beats so they're totally clipping on yep. purpose. Get it. 
it's like it's like an uncomfortable listen, but it's it's edgy. It's like it's the kind of you can see what actually they, they got they were meant to tour with Nine Inch Nails and Soundgarden at one point, and you can see why Trent Reznor was so into them. Like they're they're a band that you hear about a lot of people. Like David Bowie was a big fan of them apparently, like and they were a big part of him when he did Black Star. Mm-hmm. Supposedly there was stuff that they'd done that he started you know yeah trying to incorporate some of their approaches into it and. There's a, a lot of people like that, like prominent people who seem to really admire the bravery of their production. Because we spoke so much about Nine Inch Nails, especially Downward Spiral, with the bravery of the production. And I think there's a similar daring in the way that these mm-hmm. guys, especially did it ex-military, when you hear how uncompromising it is. And I think that maybe comes down from the three guys who are in the band and the mix of their backgrounds. You've got Zach Hill, who's coming from like a noise rock, super form jazz, super technical as well. Like yeah. that's the thing. He's got he has got chops for for weeks. Oh, unbelievable drummer. Yeah. Um, and then you've got Steph, who's this fucking just mad aggressive artist, yeah. art MC and artist. And then you've got Andy, who's you know comes from a sort of more electronic background and fucking amazing with samples, amazing with just finding things that shatter your subwoofer. Yeah, you get the feeling that he's probably the glue. Mm. You know, the other guys bring a lot of um, wow factor. In, yeah. in their own way but you get the feel of that, that guy Andy so so this band end up coming becoming this like punk noise rock hip hop electronica thing and it's just a mashup that in the hands of many many other bands would sound fucking awful mm. but they just get it bang on and but I, that you're like one of the first people <clears throat> I remember really telling me to listen to them as well like way mm. back to this day I associate Death Grips with you and the aforementioned Dave Warner you're the two guys that were like yeah. this band are really interesting like really good check them out and I'll admit I, I dipped in and out it was fine never actually had properly committed to listening to it um, but I did thoroughly enjoy this album I mean I, I really liked it I thought it was very interesting and you can see you can see this album in the long run helping to encourage other acts in a similar vein I would say mm. it, it reminds I don't know whether it did or not but the band Young Fathers from Edinburgh yeah, um, they're a band that seem to have taken to heart that sort of sense of we can be quite adventurous within this genre. You know, we're, yeah, yeah, we're, yeah. we're ostensibly getting classified as hip hop here, but there's so much more than hip hop. Yeah, absolutely. That, they're an alternative band. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that this is a band that seem to some extent have trailblazed a, a new or breathed fresh life into mm-hmm. the ability of people to experiment within those parameters that are not so narrow. They, they also there's another band called Horror who are. Quite similar. It's H O nine nine O nine. Yeah, horror. Yeah. yeah, they are. I wouldn't say they're similar, but they've got the same approach musically. It's just two guys, and they're just fucking totally chaos live, and they're really intense, like Death Grips as well. They're a pretty cool band. But like, it's it's weird because I am a small, not small. I am a. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not small. I'm not sure where this is going. Uh, <laughs> no, basically, I'm a. I didn't fucking know anything about hip hop until I was like in my twenties because I came from. Yeah, and if your band couldn't cover it, you didn't want to know about it. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, I got the Prodigy's Dirt Chamber Sessions uh, when I was, like, 16, and that had some great samples on it, and I discovered kind of Public Enemy and stuff like that from from there. But I never really got into hip-hop until I was at university, and then, what was it? It was Amelie by uh, Lil Wayne, which Mm. is just this unbelievable, like, trap beat, and I discovered trap music. I was like, oh, this is the sort of heavy stuff I've been looking for. I was like, and and POS as well, who had this, you know, Never Better record, which was, you know, live drums and stuff like that. Really, really good band. Um, I never really connected to hip hop before, maybe because I just didn't know enough about underground, dirty hip hop. And all I knew about was fucking Eminem and P. Yeah. Diddy. 
but now basically kind of through death grips i've got to know hip-hop a lot and i've seen how death grips have also have influenced hip-hop even though they're kind of outsiders mm-hmm. so i mean fucking kanye's kanye's a uh, record was in 2012 or whatever came out after death grips and just fucking sounded like death grips and there's no doubt yeah it's just when he started working with guys like hudson mohawk and yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. that to try and get edgy but like that whole black skinhead sound is just like a, a sort of tidied up death grips see um there's a really i think there's a good analogy for this right and it's kind of used especially in american politics called the overton window i mean the overton window is where something happens that like fundamentally shifts the parameters of what's acceptable conversation in an environment. So like Trump has been a big part of the Overton window where in the past, any number of things that he's done would have been enough to get anybody else fired. But now you're actually having serious conversations about arming teachers teachers and are there very good people on both sides when it's a a neo-Nazi rally? So that's like moving the Overton window where by just sheer, by so many factors, I suppose, yeah, yeah. audacity in, in the main you move the window of what's acceptable. It seems like Death Grips, musically speaking, kind of moved the Overton window. Maybe mm. not alone, but they, they, they're part no, of a movement but yeah, that certainly. has shifted the parameters and said, look, this genre is stagnating and we need to do something else. And it's much bigger, far more prominent uh, behemoths of artists have yeah. been forced to adjust to the actions of a smaller band because yeah, they yeah, have absolutely. they've highlighted something. That's I like, mean, Kanye West is the biggest name in hip hop, and I think he was directly influenced, and so many people are then influenced by him. I think there's people in hip hop now that aren't directly influenced by Death Grips that are doing amazing stuff, like Kendrick Lamar he com- comes from like a much more sort of jazz background mm-hmm. with Kamasi Washington and everything. But there are things out there, people like Denzel Curry and Brock Hampton and things like that that use these production techniques that before just weren't getting used in hip-hop. You know, you had this sort of trap music and really sort of bassy stuff, but it was all very flat and straight and came from like this... I don't know, rigid, this rigid structure. And then now you're hearing this just oversaturated and clipping and um, much more punk rock yeah, it's, production it's, it's in very, hip-hop. very postmodern. It, it really mm. is. It's like it's like, a, it's like they're taking tropes and deliberately subverting them. Yeah. They're like deliberately doing things to, to challenge and unsettle the listener, deliberately confounding your expectations of what a song can or is about to do. Um and it's yeah, like it, it, it all contributes to a, a sense of the, the future and the past. And it's like the people like Kanye don't ever want to be considered as being the past. Yeah. So they're forced to modernize. You yeah. Know? Kanye's not the most amazing artist himself, but what he's incredible at doing is finding the fucking zeitgeist and getting incredible people involved. Or just ripping them off. <laughs> I, like to, I should probably jump in here and say that a lot of the production that's on this reminds me of LP stuff. A yeah, lot. yeah, yeah. Because he's he, for a long time he's been doing this synthesizer kind of lead, big, huge beats like the Bomb Squad, but we actually like played yeah. played by fucking I guess Vangelis, you yeah. know, it's like yeah, yeah, properly yeah. synthy hip hoppy stuff, and he the production style he uses is like getting happy, it's like getting happy a fucking bomb, mm-hmm. you know. And there's a lot of that on this record. That was the first thing that jumped out at me. Yeah. Also, the amount of amazing samples on this record. So good. It's just there's so much good shit on here.
if you enjoy what you hear, then why not spend your money on it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus, maybe hire a presenter with more fucking patter than me. Jesus Christ. No, but really, we'd, we'd appreciate any any little dollars that you might be able to spare because there's just some cost. We don't make any money out of this, but there are some costs that we uh, pay, like web hosting and uh, hummus. Hummus. Uh, that's, uh, you know, one pound a week on hummus. <laughs> <laughs> it adds up. Uh, so um, you can go to our website, which is www.unsungpod.net slash donate. And uh, just hit us up with a tiny little bit of cash. That would be lovely. Thanks. I mean, let's talk about the album itself. Like the way it just kicks off, you know, with this. Um, no, no, it's no. Uh, it's got the big Charles Manson sample. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, um, and like that's just a. I don't think they actually like Charles Manson. Be aware. What they're doing is found this sample, and it's just like Charles Manson is saying, "Fuck you, I'm just gonna do whatever the fuck I want," mm. and that's what they're doing. This is like their manifesto. This track, this album, we're gonna fuck shit up. It's like I'm some teeny bopper somewhere for somebody else's money. I make the money, man. I roll the nickels. The game is mine. I deal the cards. And it's like this big fucking fanfare of a track as well. And then it just goes into guillotine. Which, which has no samples on it. Yeah, it's just completely, just completely original. Yeah. And like, I mean, maybe, maybe they sampled Big Bang for that, uh, <laughs> that subwoofer fucking sub-bass <laughs> shit. But uh, like, I love playing that song. <laughs> like when I'm DJing because it's just like half time filthy yeah they've got a really good ear for a catchphrase as well you know that, that's like half the battle with that style of music yeah. is to get that sound bite that people just love repeating so that kind of it goes it goes it goes yeah, that, yeah. that kind of bit or, or triple six five four yeah. or yeah. Uh, was it was I, I am the beast I worship yeah, yeah, like, yeah. it's like those those kind of like little sound bites in these mm. kind of records like yeah he's a fucking but, great yeah. like, you're not going to get a guitar hook you're going to get a vocal hook and, yeah. yeah it's the best hip hop artists are really good at that they're really good at finding like that like that hook, which is a, a good vocal. Yeah, total you know? takeaway yeah. phrase. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think Guillotine is a, like a standout track in this album. As somebody that's relatively new to it in depth, like, it's a really, really strong bit of music. Yeah. I think it's maybe a slightly um, top-heavy album. And I think maybe the first half is a really little... well. That, that's interesting me, because I, again, as a new, as a newcomer, I, I'd written down some of the, the, the tracks that stood out, and there, there's yeah. not really. I don't remember thinking any are a stinker, yeah. but like number seven, it's Clink. Yeah. Number ten, through the uh, through the walls, and number eleven, uh, known for it. They were like they were the ones that stood out to me, and I was like, and they're obviously much later on, and that's as somebody that was quite new to it. For me, it was I want it, I need it. Like for me, that's like just fucking. I love. I want it. I need it. So good, that's man. a track that you can play at an indie club or a hip hop night or a metal night or whatever, like just any sort of night, and it like people go, "Fuck yeah, this is cool." Yeah, 
DMT to MDMA. Like, that's such a good track. Um, I think the one that Guillotine and Tachyon were the ones that mm. got me in, and I think they're like the two most, you know, yeah. listened on this record. But, um, like, Tachyon is still, that's like one of the most aggressive pieces of music I've ever heard. Yeah. It's so fucking brutal. <laughs> Yo! Bad brain sample on it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which are, a lot of samples of this record are cool as fuck, and you can't really tell where they're, where they're from apart from the, the one in the black flag, the black flag sample. Rise above's on clink. That'll riff it. Aye, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's on that. That's the only sample I recognised. Uh, that's a good hook in that. I think obviously, like, and I think clink's one of the standard yeah. tunes. Mm-hmm. I think like clink as well because it's got the really saturated drums on it. Like that was something that really that was something that really drew me to some of the tracks. It's just that OTT ridiculously full on drum sound that we're using. <laughs> Very high in the mix, and the vocal's quite low in the mix a lot of the time as well, which gives it a really almost like a converged style feel, mm-hmm. you know. I think. Um, have you heard Zach Hill's thing with Andy Moore? And is it Illies? I L Y S. The I Love Yous. I Love Yous. It's pretty good. It's more just like a sort of. No, it's like more punky. All oh, right, okay. It's like a punk band. Yeah, because I was and curious then... to see, like, you were talking about, like, what part. The three guys all play in this yeah and that's that's one i didn't get around to hearing but it'd be interesting to hear that like to hear who they yeah, are like they just dropped that and threw it out and they're just like oh here's a record by s- someone that could be involved in this and didn't really tell anybody <laughs> and it's yeah it's a pretty good record actually kind of scuzzy punk it's these guys are from sacramento as well it was just like like, yeah. all these, like, like we're just getting inundated with sacramento bands like far will haven yeah. yeah um it must be a hell of a place to play music sacramento Really hard to get a gig. <laughs> I've driven through it and there was that's shit. <laughs> I think that's maybe why. That's why everybody's playing music. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Zach Hill's also on a on a mar- couple of Marnie Stern albums. Yeah, I saw her self titled album. Mm. So fucking good. The drumming on that is, um, for like the cheese. Obviously, there's a lot of like really kind of mathy, like really technical guitars, but all those are really cool like vocal hooks and all that. And his drums are just a perfect fit. I mean, he's you said it already, but he's a huge selling point in this. Mm. And and even down to his performance, the fact that he's always like. Hurting himself when he's playing because he gets he like yeah. bleeds all over his drum kit and he, he played he played the gig in handcuffs. I well, there's like a video of him like in a practice room playing drums with handcuffs on. Yeah, like until he bleeds and it's just fucking <laughs> it's ridiculous. Just insane. Why? Uh, Why? Just because c- they're artists. He, he's an artist as well. Like, he's both both uh, like him and MC Ryder yeah, are both, both visual, visual artists. artists. And I think um, apparently Zach Hill was a director. He like was working on a film and then the main actress died. Oh yeah, and then right. they released like a short film that was just sections of it that they had of her mm. within it so i don't i don't know what's gonna happen but to the what project, like but. that's what like after this album what they got right as well was like when they did the money store the like they made loads of videos for the songs on that and so they were just like testing the format there because like one of the videos is like a gopro in a washing machine <laughs> or a tumble dryer with loads of bags of weed <laughs> and then they just open the door sometimes to and you like see them and you're, it's just like visually really fucking interesting and it's such a simple idea and then another one is like Steph just fucking going mental at the parking camera in a Toyota Prius <laughs> and like that's the music video <laughs> and like that's another really fucking simple idea but like who'd have thought of that they did 
So yeah, it takes a person a personality like him to sell that though. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's like you need. Well, some, yeah, I mean, he's a fucking as, incredible. As raw performer. as that guy, yeah. I actually I saw Death Grips again when they played in SWG three, and Zach Hill wasn't there, and it was really interesting actually, just because like I mean, fuck, that was maybe the loudest show I've ever been to, <laughs> um, and they pumped the samples up and like the tracks were amazing, but yeah, I really missed the fucking live drums. <laughs> There's no getting away from I that. I think that there's no getting away as well from, but probably Bear's talking about, like, their patchy record with their live performances. Mm. Like, I mean, was it like a 30-date US tour they cancelled? Um, yeah, but I... Th- there was the... Some, I mean, some of that is, they're totally, like, fucking with you. It's all promotion, but it's also just, like, fucking with everybody for just for for fun. I think, I think like, for fun, though, it, there is that... That other perspective on it though, and that people are paying to go to these shows. I <laughs> and know. It's, it's I like, know. And I, I think it was like, this guy. Yeah, uh, they get refunded. Uh, yeah, it's not the same. You know, a guy called a writer called Michael Nelson had written a thing for Stereo Gum, which was a kind of meta look at the phenomenon of de- the phenomenon of gig cancellations. Yeah. Via the lens of de- death grips, and he'd made a comment that I thought was quite interesting, uh, where he was kind of, I think he was kind of rhetorically asking, "Are they conflating acts of rebellion with publicity stunts?" Yeah, and it, if you are a fan of a band, you don't feel like you've just been duped into being the next marketing campaign. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Or, or we'll use our current fans to find more yeah. people. And but, it, uh, I think it was a writer as well, Gary Suarez. He he'd written about him quite a bit. The guy writes for the Quietus, uh-huh. and he's said about it being a sad measure of the state of music in America that no shows by bands were like headline making. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, in some levels. I have a problem with it, you know, especially as somebody that promotes. It's like, as in terms of approaching Death Grips, we worked on a festival once and we were going to approach them. We yeah. literally decided ultimately not to yeah. because it was like the last thing we can afford is yeah, for them yeah. to use us to make a statement because it would literally ruin us mm-hmm. for thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds in terms yeah. of marketing and in terms of if people bought a ticket to the wider event and they were one of the main reasons and they didn't go, yeah, they could say, oh, your event still happened. But it's like, but for these people, the reason they came here, the reason they got a hotel. Yeah, absolutely. You know, but what they have done, as all art, all good art should do, is they've got us talking about it. We're talking about this issue. And, like, we would never talk about this issue if it was another band who just cancelled a tour. But at like, the ex- they've done it at the expense, point though, of the people that have, that I know, have missed but out. Some art, I don't know, takes casualties. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the Lollapalooza thing is, like, probably the best, like synopsis of it because they, it was at 2014 yeah I think right? so yeah. so they were meant to play at Lollapalooza the following day mm-hmm. and they refused to play or they were they were booked to play a, a late after party thing the night before and they, they were no show and apparently had no intention of showing and instead they sent a bunch of instruments and then projected a, a fan suicide note onto the back of the, the stage and just played the music out of the, the PA and then there was a riot in the crowd and the crowd went up and started smashing up all the gear, which it turned out was just like dummy practice gear anyway. It was, it so was children's instruments. Children's instruments. So <laughs> the whole thing was basically a big ruse anyway. And then they got they got booted off the festival for that. I just yeah, but mean, that's that's fucking performance art. That, yeah, no, like you yeah. could say, yeah, that's a fucking um, market employee, but also it's just like a total fucking concept. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like don't get me wrong, man. I like I'll I'll, uh, I'll appreciate a good Gigi Allen horror story as much as the next guy but yeah. yeah there is just a part of like I mean I don't think for a minute Gigi Allen was doing it at the behest of Sony Records you know and it's just like how I just uh, just a little uncomfortable with where is the division there like yeah, where is no, it but it's only this would only be a Sony Records thing if Death Grips then went on to sell a million records and play in arenas and they never have 
No, but they've they, done I mean, all these things and then they just release their music for free and they tell everybody to fuck off. Possibly, but you've got to remember as well that the music model now it doesn't really rely on selling records, man. I mean, that's the music model now is live event sales, and if they can drive up, yeah, but Death Grips haven't played live for like three years. They <laughs> they got invited out on tour with Nine Inch Nails and Soundgarden, and, didn't and then they yeah. said, "Oh, actually, we're going to split up as a band." <laughs> and Trent Reznor, you know, that's when they could make their money. Yeah, he they didn't. Do. They've told Trent Reznor to fuck off. Yeah. But he would, so you know that's yeah. pretty good, but I, th- I think they they can also at the same time though drive up the the money that will be paid to them when they do play as a result of that with minimal fuss. Yeah, and but I, until they do, they until do, they do their hydro show on a you know a half a million fee, you can't say that with yeah. any. Sorry, you're you're right. That's the that is probably stretching it a wee bit to say that, but uh, there is just that that kind of slight awkward sense of like, I don't know how much like. Am I sometimes being used a wee bit here in, yeah. that, in that sense? I, I don't know how I feel about it. We did a tour in 2017 with Ministry, by the way. Did which they? Is, I thought it was a pretty fucking excellent combination. <laughs> did they actually... Yeah, they, they actually did it as well. Yeah, like. they did. Yeah, yeah. They actually Ministry showed up. Are, Ministry are playing the Academy. With Chelsea yeah. Wolf. With Chelsea Wolf. That's it's going to be up. a really good show, man. But it's, it's a really... It's an affectionate nod to, like... Their, their forefathers of controversy because Ministry yeah, yeah. were one of those bands that were just shambolic and drug addicted and just yeah. brutally uh, like I mean, but on, they the, were, on the edge. They were accidentally shambolic. <laughs> <laughs> there was no sort of art in there. Yeah. There was no point. deliberate art in their sham- possibly. <laughs> shambles. But I mean, uh, like Death Grips obviously get money from licensing. I noticed they were in uh, Bojack Horseman. Yeah. Classy show. Classy show to get a tune in. Um, and I never even thought to check if they'd been in Rick and Morty because everybody else we've talked about has. Yeah. Um, and so is another artist we're going to talk about soon. Oh, really? Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, they'll, they'll get money from that as well. I know it's Robert, Robert Pattinson's also a fan. Robert Pattinson, yeah. Yeah, he's he's on one of their tunes. Really? Yeah, Birds, Birdie, Birds, something mm. like that. Yeah, yeah, he does. He, he played guitar. He like played guitar, <laughs> sent them a demo of him playing guitar, and then they sampled it and put it into the track. That's pretty cool. But there you go. And that probably works out nicely for him as well, in terms of legitimacy being a bit cooler. Yeah. So what are we thinking then, X Military, discography or not? I think it has to go in because yeah, I think I mean, it's their best record, and I think they're probably the most interesting and important band of the last seven years. I think they're, I think they're a really, really exciting band in that sense. Yeah. And uh, like I said, I'm, I, I would put an asterisk against that in the sense that sometimes I feel like I'm being played a wee bit, but at the same time, Dave's right. They've not exactly like come back and played the Hydro or. Murrayfield and they're excellent like, they're a really 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 engrossing live band and you just can't mess with that it's like a really genuine full on physically yeah. damaging live and some people get tattoos of bands to remember things but I have this a scar oh is it did you break your arm it's it? a big what I don't know four or five inch scar on my elbow it was that night at the captain's rest when they played and it, they weren't directly involved but I <laughs> I maybe had a bottle of Buckfast before I went to the gig. <laughs> maybe. Maybe had a few pints at the gig. Really of Buckfast. thoroughly enjoyed it. <laughs> and then me and my cousin Ian and my pal Ben then decided to go to the pub and I borrowed somebody's bike and then cycled off a wall and then my, my arm <laughs> broke in half. And so I, I went to the pub and I had two pints in the pub and then uh, then the uh, my friends were like, you can't really move your arm and you're wincing when somebody walks within five feet of it. Maybe you should go to any. And I was <laughs> you're there. lucky you were coarse from alcohol, man. Otherwise, I, oh, no. I mean that. Like, yeah, I went, in, I went, went to any, and this is on like a Friday night in Glasgow. And then the, the nurses were really sympathetic, but the doctor, she was like, 
for fuck's sake, just had a drunken idiot with a sprained arm. <laughs> what a twat. And then we, she went through and we got the x-ray done. And then when she saw the x-ray, she like looked at me and she was like, uh, nurses, <laughs> can we please get some painkillers in here? <laughs> this is quite bad. So I had to get operated on in the morning. And yeah, that's my death grip statue. That's a cool, like that's a cool scar, scar on my elbow. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. I remember Ian phoned me after it to tell me. It was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, we, we all had to give up, to be fair. <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, let's put it in. Scar aside, to be all unanimous, ex military by death grip should be an autography. And I think people will agree with us as well, if I'm honest. I, I can't see them not agreeing with us. I hope so. But who knows? Take it to the streets. Exactly. So go vote on Facebook. That'd be awesome. We've had some very nice reviews on iTunes lately which has been awesome so if you can go and do that more reviews please yeah more reviews on Apple Podcasts even if it's just like eight words we can dictate them to you Dave Mm -hmm. dictate eight words off the top of your head don't think oh what a great podcast I feel alive (laughs) (laughs) there you go please please somebody do that yeah if you do that we may <laughs> disclaimer probably won't, but we may bring you on the show. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, we should probably a shout out to CD Bonbons for a rather classy review on was it iTunes? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Thanks to that CD, that was very good. Yeah, so more of that, please. Preferably Dave's. If we get like four or five people who send the same review, it'd be quite <laughs> funny. <laughs> but yes, yeah, gentlemen, thank you very much. What are we going to do next week? Um, I guess next week we're doing Cash Thirty Three by Mashuga. There we go. Great. It's getting, getting noisy in here. Dave, you're getting your way in all I'm having a lovely time. <laughs> 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 <I'm> a pig <pigging> shit. <laughs> Thanks, guys.